0: Welcome to the new and improved Configure It Done podcast. The Configure It Done podcast is now a place where we interview senior thought leaders in the SAP space across Australia and New Zealand. And the aim is to tap into their knowledge so we can pass on their insights to the listening SAP community. Please subscribe to the podcast and like, share, and comment across Castos, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify.
1: This podcast
2: is in partnership with the Black Dog Institute, who aim to create a mentally healthier world for everyone. If you wish to donate to the cause, please click the link below.
0: Um, Welcome. Welcome to uh, season six of the Configure It Done podcast. And uh, and Bethany, you're you're back on.
2: I am. So we have Jonathan Pepper with us today. So Jonathan is the founder of Maintain who specializes in uh, technology project management assurance across SAP and other technologies, but we'll be focusing on SAP today. And he has uh, some brilliant viewpoints on SAP and S4HANA and some very specific ways to ensure the best delivery possible, basically. So that's why we have him on the podcast today.
0: Perfect. And uh, yeah, thank you for coming on, John.
1: Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Excellent. Well, we're going to dive straight in. Um, I know Bethany and yourself were talking, John, around um, S four projects and, in particular, them getting stuck at the moment. I know it's a very topical uh, topic at the moment in the market. Um, but um, what's your thoughts on yeah the the failure to launch a project or um, yeah wh- why is it getting stuck?
1: Yeah, good question. I think I think some of it is you know specific to SAP, but it's probably more industry wide. So you look at your typical reasons for projects getting stuck and they're, they're things ranging from lack of resources and whether that's uh, personnel resources, capacity, capability, whether it's funding, whether it's the actual technology stack. Uh, and then you get into like internal political challenges between between organizations. So, you know, company, a per- person inside a company wants SAP, someone wants Microsoft. Um, so you get a lot of that. Um unclear project scope, poor project planning, resistance to change, all of those very very typical reasons that have been around for years and years and years. Uh, I I see that a lot, Um, but I think one of the biggest reasons or challenges technology projects are getting stuck these days is because of the increasing options that businesses have to implement technology. So the way I draw it out is if you wind back 15 years, That's when the first iPhone was released. So it was released in 2007. Kind of hard to remember a life without iPhones. Um, So you go all the way back to there and and the options to implement uh, technology projects was always on premise. Uh, So there wasn't the cloud concept. It was always on premise. There wasn't really software as a service. Um, So you installed the infrastructure, you installed the, the application on top of that infrastructure and then you went and rolled out and deployed an application. And I think so that's that's one of the key the key uh, considerations is the landscape since back then in 2005 and 2010s, the landscape has significantly changed. Um, and, and, and a part think of it's that-
2: almost like there's too many areas for any one person to focus on. So we've got these key decision makers sitting at the top and there's so much information. It's like, how do you actually have just a few people decide on all of that?
1: That, that, that's that's spot on, because if you, if you look at the options now, and, and now so we're not on premise, we're all cloud, it's all software as a service. If you want to implement an application or a business process, an application to support a business process, you have an option of 15 or 25 different products on the market, right? You don't any longer have, okay, if I'm going to do something with reliability-centered maintenance, I'm going to use that product. If I'm going to do something with procurement, we use that product. It's it's so vast and and so varied um, as to what is available. So uh, that that's I, I think I think it makes it really hard for organisations to um, to make the decision as to which path to choose. Uh, and I did touch earlier on on the concept of internal political changes, and I think it becomes like a religious the religious debate inside an organisation. Are we going to be a Microsoft house? Are we going to be a Google house? Are we going to be really an true. SAP house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and 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 I think, and I, I've seen organisations, um, you know, all all roads in an RFP process point to vendor X, and someone comes and makes a decision to go to vendor Y, and the people at the at the shop floor, they're pulling their hair out because they just can't understand why we made a decision to implement, um, you know, vendor Y versus vendor X. So, yeah, I see I see that more and more. The other the other interesting one I'll, I'll jump into is the. Um, The organization's requirement now to deal with scalability, stability, company profitability, cyber risk, disaster recovery, performance testing, all of those components of a software as a service application, or even like a mum and pop shop, right? So you can have a mum and pop shop application provider that almost appears from feature functions as rich, if not better, usability as rich if not better than a big sap but the question is do they have the proven demonstrated backbone that an sap or, or other big organization has yeah.
2: that's really interesting because one one trend that i've noticed is uh so i went into sap recruitment seven years ago and then best of breed was like the buzzword all anybody was talking about was best of breed and it seems very new because before that it was wall-to-wall sap and then best of breed was kind of the the topic at the forefront of of everybody's minds. And then now I don't hear it spoken about as often anymore. And I don't know, I don't know if that's because that's just become commonplace or because there is less of it now. Because what I'm seeing now isn't even best of breed. It's more just stuck. Like a, there's just a lot of projects that just don't move forward at all, whether it be Waldbull SAP or you know best of breed in the different areas. What what are your thoughts
1: on that? Well, I think a lot of that comes down to, you know, the organisation's ability to mobilise a project. So do they have the in-house skills and experience to prepare and mobilise that project? Um, often they don't. And often there's those classical factors around poor planning, resistance to change, internal political challenges, those, those items which actually stop uh, the ability to proceed. And I think uh, if you look at the you know, the lack of capability or the lack of resources or the lack of investment in that upfront prepare activities to mobilize a process, um it often seems uh, seems counterintuitive to spend a lot of money on starting a project. But if you do start a project very well and you're able to get it through all of the stage gates of of an organization's approval process, you can often set it up for success for the delivery organization to deliver it.. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's a big thing. Uh, just to the to the best of breed topic, um, there's a sticker shock often associated with large scale ERPs versus small scale best of breeds as well. So you might see a much smaller price tag on a on a smaller implementation of a smaller bit of capability, but when you look at a, an all encompassing ERP, um, the, the the sticker shock is it's much bigger. So I know that that starts to be a, a discussion in the boardrooms of you know, well, if I'm going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on implementing this this big IT system, can I actually go and buy some more trucks to ship stock? Can I go and invest that in my assets and my plants to create revenue? So there is often that trade-off between the, the sticker shock of, of the cost of these, these IT applications, which goes on to, you know, the other theme of, of capability. So capability is expensive. It does cost money to bring in the right capability. Again, another sticker shot concept. It appears as though it costs you more money up front, but we all know when you when you've been in the SAP game for a long time, um high caliber, high capable resources are worth their weight in gold because mm-hmm. they get you out of a they get you out of a stickle, they they get you right where you need to be. So, so yeah,
0: buy cheap, buy twice. Um we've yeah, seen that yeah. so many times with um, programs that have gone with uh, cheaper resources or um, resource is not up to the 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 caliber of some and um yeah the project just fails and they have to it's a bit of a disaster recovery to to come in and fix it
2: which is more expensive yeah and then the another issue i see a lot because you were talking about sticker shock before is there's often this kind of or you talked about it being it almost feels religious there is kind of this us versus them mentality when you've got say a company that's been sap you know, for a decade. And then we have somebody new in the C-suite come in, or even somebody new as part of the, uh, even middle management, and they've got different visions and a different understanding outside of SAP. So you've got those that understand SAP that are like, this is what it costs. It's it's a massive technology. It's expensive. And then those come in and say, well, if we just go with this technology, it's a lot cheaper. So why can't you make your SAP resources cheaper? Like there's a complete disconnect between what the cost is and the benefits of each. And then it just ends up in this cycle of nothingness, which is a lot of what we're seeing right now. Nothing moving yeah.
1: forward. Yeah, I I see that a lot too. And I and I see then the 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 challenge between um, you know classical technology resources versus SAP technology resources. There there yeah. is there is a premium in the market for SAP technology resources. Um, yeah. Typically those resources have a lot of experience and they have a lot of lot of skill to you know to implement a, a very complex a complex application and yeah, it's uh, it's not always understood. Um, but look, a lot of the a lot of the senior leaders in these organisations have been around for a long time as well. So so they they get it. It's whether it cascades down to the you know the level between senior senior management and lower yes. lower mid level management to understand that concept. And often across to HR or across to procurement. So typically the technology professionals get it. When you actually feed it through an organisation and 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 the procurement team doesn't understand it, or the HR team doesn't understand it why they're so expensive. it's um it's it's challenging. and, and look, it's it's I have this concept of minimum viable capability and minimum minimal viable capacity. So you can't just throw a whole lot of in, uncapable people on a project and expect that because you've got a lot of them, uh, the uh, the project will will be successful um and there's a couple of laws around that right there's brooks law which actually says something around the long the lines of is adding manpower to a project will not actually result in the project delivering quicker and, and better it often results in a, a further delay um so that's the concept if you don't try if you don't put the right capability in there you're not going to solve the complex challenges and the complex issues um, but then there's a balance there's a balance of high caliber and 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 sort of middle, middle middle
0: level resources as well. We're talking you're talking our language now, John, around resources. Um in Australia and New Zealand there's thirteen and a half thousand um SAP uh, resources. Um and letting you into a little secret is only four and a half that we would deem four and a half thousand that we would deem to be um of a of a high calibre. Um, so there is a yeah fundamentally a lack of resources in Australia and New Zealand. But what would how would you define high caliber? What, what does a high caliber consultant look like to to you?
1: Yeah, it's uh, I mean you you touched on it a little bit already. There's there's a community of what ten thousand resources. There's five five that are very solid, five thousand that are solid. Um, so the SAP community it's very small very very small most of the most of the resources in that community especially in australia and new zealand will will know of each other or know someone that knows someone and it's evident through linkedin right you look at a first degree second degree third degree connection you'll know someone that that, that knows that person so i've been around uh, even in the recruitment process as a like not not as a recruiter like yourself but as a as a delivery expert recruiting resources um, and there's a few things that you find um, Firstly, is is reaching out to your network, and that's how I like to staff a lot of roles because it's it's proven trusted experience, and you've seen you've seen people uh, do the hard yards, and you've seen people learn learn from their mistakes, and then often get to the outcomes. Uh, the second thing is is when you when you're cold reviewing resumes and CVs, within a couple of minutes, you can skim through that resume and you can understand whether a person is fit for purpose. You can understand two main things so i see i see some recruiters uh, and some some individual respondents they'll apply for a role and their resume won't match their linkedin profile so they've tailored their resume to the role and even then it's it's not really (laughs) it's not really applicable so you might have a project manager applying for an abap role or you might have an abap or applying for a project role right project management role not not really the first sniff test and the other sniff test um, I seem to work on, and not everyone agrees to this one, but it's it's longevity of roles. If I see that a person has skipped from you know role to role to role nine months at a time, um, I often often want to dig a bit deeper because if if you're a if you're a good strong SAP resource, the company that has you typically will want to hold on to you for longer. Um, unless, of course, you do some stuff like we do at Maintain, and that's that's Project Rescue, and we come in and rescue a project for three months and four months and five months, and and then get out. Um, so definitely, longevity um, is is a big one. Um, and then, look, you get through into that I- interview process, and you can really understand um, from a person's confidence and a, and a person's experience um how they're responding to some technical questions in 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 the sap domain that you're talking about how you're responding to other other generic questions so yeah it's 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 not too difficult to spot a high caliber resource i believe in, a, in an sap um, in saying that though i've probably been burnt a couple of times and pick some people who i thought weren't great and were great and then also pick some people who i was happy just to fill the role and they've 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 exceeded expectations, so.
0: Yeah, it never ceases to amaze me. I know we have a small community, but um, every day we we would uncover what we call a gem. It's like where is that person? They're not on LinkedIn. Only eighty eighty four percent of resources are on on LinkedIn. They're not on um, talent boards. It's it's come from a referral. Um, and the other thing that um, resources don't appreciate, I I think, is um, reputation in this market. It's so such a small, tight knit community, and and word of mouth travels very 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 far um so wherever possible yeah maintain maintain your reputation that would be my message to um australia new zealand resources
1: well i agree i think integrity is a big part of 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 that so if you and you sometimes get caught up right you get up caught up with a commercial challenge that's involved in the project that you're working on um, you get caught up with, you know, my fault, your fault type thing. But if you act with integrity at each stage along the way, and if you can justify and stand by that integrity of why you had to make that decision and why you acted the way you did and what why the outcome was the outcome, it will always pay off in, in the long run. So I think that's a that's a key component is not to um, is not to drop that integrity just to get yourself through that one little moment in in that project, because it will come back to bite you in the past and you're only as good as your last stuff up so um
2: that's true yeah i completely agree yeah and there was um so there was this really kind of meaty question that we covered when we were just having a casual conversation a couple of weeks ago i wanted to touch on because I, I loved your perspective on this so we've covered the people and how to get the right people and then it's like okay we can have the right people but how do we actually get the right project in place so um one issue we've both seen pop up a lot is we'll have the business and IT teams not translating their requirements in depth enough. So how do we, how do we mitigate that risk? How do we get them speaking to each other and actually understanding what the business needs, what the IT needs, IT teams need? And do you ever see, as I'd love your perspective on this, do you ever see technology driving solutions for the sake of tech rather than maybe based on a business because they haven't properly collaborated?
1: yeah it's uh, this is this is a very meaty thick question yes so oh look I, I see I see it a lot that technology professionals want to implement technology to implement technology uh, and then I also see it on the other side that uh, business professionals uh, want to implement technology because they believe that they are technology experts. And I think the gap between back to that whole 2005, back in the day, right, there were technology professionals that were implementing on-premise applications. Now in the 2020s, you've got everything that's available to everyone to become glorified experts in, in that domain. So. I do I do see it a lot that um that that teams aren't established correctly, roles and responsibilities aren't established correctly when a project is has commenced. So once it's gone through all the, you know, the first question we had is how come they're blocked. So we got through that massive hurdle that the project is now blocked and the project is now underway. And we do often have Jostles internal internal to a project of who's running the project? Is it the technology team? Is it the is it the business team? Um And there's no right answer to that question, or I actually believe the right answer is is it needs to be a a codependent team that has the right leadership, whether or not your business or whether or not your technology shouldn't shouldn't matter too much. Sure, yes, the business people have greater relationships into the tentacles of the organisation to make process-related and business decisions, but... Uh, The the, the technology and the technology teams understands the complexity around, you know, the cybersecurity protocols and other protocols that, you know, aren't quite front and center. Uh, But I do I do I do often ask that question in interviews as well is, you know, what's your perspective? Should it should a should a technology professional run a project or should a business person run a project? Yeah, uh, and I also asked, ke- what did they say? <laughs> well, well uh, then I ask another question as well is, is does the process lead the technology or does the technology lead the process in design? Again, back in 2005, the process was defined and then you customized the technology to meet the process. But now when you're buying, uh, even SAP, when you're buying SAP, it has a You know multiple decades of process inbuilt into the technology so you aren't just buying a technology stack you're actually buying the process and the technology and sometimes if you have the right implementer you you have um, you have some accelerators and some other components of that so often the business says the business should run it and the tech says the tech should run it and then yeah it's 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 always a, a fun question to ask um but again, I, I believe that if you're if you're not establishing your project and setting up your project um, in the in the in the methodology, your project charters correctly, and your project roles and responsibilities, and having the right governance across your project um, with decision makers and 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 so forth, you you often get into that sort of sort of argument. And 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 then I say is well, as an organisation, shouldn't we be working together? To beat our competitors versus fighting internally to actually uh to, to try to win internal to the organization so I, I see that a lot as well we we can't get on inside a company whereas we should be because then we'd be directly competing with our competitors not with ourselves mm. yeah
2: it's um a, a trend that we've seen but i don't think it's been taken up as as in depth as it should is it's, it's almost like we need to get a lot more sophisticated with our roles so it's not enough just to have your standard uh team anymore. You need business partners, you need advisors, you need those that are translating requirements properly. Your ABAPers now need to be able to speak really well to the business. Oftentimes, it's not enough just to code. And I think a lot of roles are changing. It's just a matter of if companies keep up with how quickly the roles are changing
1: yeah actually and sorry going back to the question because you probably prompted me back online to the question uh in my career i had a decision uh years and years ago to go down a specialist path or a generalist path and back then i made a decision to go generalist so go into sort of project management and project leadership um but i also see now in the market is project specialists are are become are more valuable so um they're more they're, they're, they're more well rewarded but the, the the divide between the continuum is is actually closing. So, you can't just be a total generalist and know nothing about the technology anymore, and you can't just be a total specialist and know nothing about how how to talk to the business and how to actually tighten it. So I think it's it's coming more in in the center on that continuum versus uh, versus what it was in the past. So those those resources that have amazing functional understanding, and amazing technical understanding are the resources that will that will often um, shine because it's it's the resources that you need when you're in a crunch to solve a problem that cannot just say well that's not my that's not my issue because I'm the ABAPA or that's not my issue because I'm the functional guy it's the person who's able to you know pull, pull together and pull the team together to make sure they can solve the problem and the problem the problem in this day and age is never just it's them or us it's 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 often it's the we where the problem needs to be solved so yeah those soft skills those soft skills are, are critical
0: that was amazing some fantastic insights there um yeah especially around the uh, the niche versus generalist as well we we always get asked that question especially with permanent employees looking to go into contracting and, and vice versa so um yeah some amazing insights there um one, one question i i have Um, before we we wrap up. um, Obviously, you've been in in this space a long time and you know some really good people. And um, Who would you like to listen to on on this podcast?
1: Who would I like to listen to? I've got a a couple of um, pretty amazing, um, uh, what I would call mentors, but I don't think we're getting them on this podcast. I think (laughs) Bill McDermott from SAP Land Okay. Back in the day, who now is at service now He's an amazing guy. If you haven't read his book, you should go out and get that book. It's called Winner's Dream. Amazing. Mm-hmm. I gift that book to a lot of people. Um, yeah, and then, and then there's some other there's some other guys in like in Bill's world that's uh, that, that are pretty pretty cool people. I don't know. I'd I'd like to see I'd like to see someone from a from a system integrator um, on 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 the panel i often don't see the the bigger system integrators you know really contributing in this space so um it's a bit sometimes it's a bit structured and a bit too too corporate so Mm -hmm. yeah i'd like to like to see any any of those industry leads or or and they don't need to be the you know the c-suites of of the integrators but certainly someone at a, a senior manager level that um, it would be it would be great to see, yeah. And I guess it depends on the topic that, that you're talking about, but. Hundred percent. So
2: one thing we wanted to ask you, because again, we we keep seeing so many projects that are hesitant to move forward with S4HANA or not quite sure how to go about it. And and you run this amazing company, Maintain. So if you were to walk in as Jonathan Pepper, and you've got you know an, an executive that feels stuck with what to do with S4HANA, what steps would you take to help? them get to a point where they know how to move forward and they know whether Hannah, is is the right decision for them, what would you do?
1: Yeah, firstly, I'd say uh, it's it's amazing that they've uh, invited us in at, at the early stage. So as a part of what we do, we do early, mid and late stage intervention. So when I draw that out, late stage intervention is firefighting. It's project rescue. Something's gone really bad and we need to fix it. Middle stage intervention is the piece around quality assurance. So design, design build, test assurance to make sure that what we built and tested meets the requirements. And then early intervention is exactly that space. So um so we have within our method, whether it's across early, middle, or late stage intervention, we have different methods to help that process. So we've got a commercial RFX, so whether it's an RFI, RFP. Uh, process that we help follow if, if they're at that stage of the process. We've got also implementation proof of concept methodologies for new technologies and implementation proof of concept methodologies for existing technologies. Uh, and then we also get to, we've we've got project uh, assurance and contract assurance methodologies. So we've got a whole range of tools in our toolkit that help unblock what the blocker is. So, I mean, firstly, it's, it's identifying what the blocker is. Is it a commercial blocker? Is it a political blocker? Uh, is it a stalemate between one or two different um, software providers? Um, so it's a it's a matter of systematically working through those methodologies to get to to get that to that answer. And and really, they should pop you out at at the end of that process with a pretty clear direction. Um, again, depending on what the sticker is or what the uh, what the blocker is depends on which which one of those methodology we pull out of the out of the toolkit. Love it.
0: So I'd tell like us tell know. us a bit more about Maintain, John, how, how long you've been around and um, what do you specialise in?
1: Yeah, look, I've been around um, the SAP world for 20 years um, and I've been across various organisations. I worked for Accenture for, for 10 or so years in System Integrator Land, worked on the delivery assurance side in, in Rio Tinto across you know global organisation for 10 or so years. Uh, then i moved out i'm working at a a large-scale government organization now as you know primary contracts and as a part of that kind of move out of full-time employment i moved into building out um, a a consulting so technology project assurance company um, and and delivery excellence company Uh, so that's that's been around the last two and a half three years that's that's been growing and we've been doing little pieces of work for 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 some clients um but we we do the whole spectrum across that early mid and late stage and i try to tie it into that early mid and late stage concept because it's it's pretty easy to to comprehend and and typically you know a business will come to me with a problem um and how we work is we'll we'll have that first consultation to understand what the problem is and, and use some of our methodology and tools in our toolkit to sort that out and we go then through a a diagnostic of of the situation so again spit out a report at the end of it to point point the the finger at a few a few key areas that could help resolve the problem and then after it we can move into consult a consulting project which actually solves the problem or we can actually bring in some other other parties to help with that whether it's you know specialist resource for one area or whether it's big teams of people and um, that that seems to seems to be working really well for us yeah and primarily sap that's that's where I've cut my teeth in the in the last year and that's that's the technology we love uh, but not limited to sap right because not all of the problems in project technology projects is is in the technology space there's business problems there's feature function problems there's lack of understanding problems and yeah so that's uh, it's been fun
0: perfect well um Thank you again for the insights today, John. That's absolutely fantastic. There's um, yeah, some really good topics there uh, to to cover and some insights, uh, especially for resources as well. That, that was brilliant. Um, and Bethany, thank you again for bringing, bringing John on.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on, John. I
1: appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. It's, uh, it's been fun.
0: Please like, share, comment and subscribe to the Configure It Done podcast.